Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Elliot Milton, who is the VP at Levin Group. The Levin Group have four brands under the group, Storm 2, 3, 4, and 5, that all operate in the fintech markets, green tech markets, retail tech, and health tech markets. Elliot kickstarted his recruitment career with Faden in 2013, where he progressed from graduate to executive director within eight years. In that time, he predominantly worked in Switzerland to start, but then from 2017, he's been based in Dallas, where he then founded the Dallas office and later sat on the US board for Texas and South for Faden. After a long and successful career with Faden, Elliot has now joined the Levin Group to spearhead their US footprint as a brand. Just a couple of weeks ago, they launched in the US where they went from zero on the ground to 70 people in one day. And they now have huge ambitions to continue to grow the US side of the business, which Elliot is going to be hugely involved in. So uh, Elliot, thanks to you for, for joining us on the pod all the way from uh, the US. No problem at all. I'm really excited here. to unpack this. And I know there will be people, like I said to you in preparing for this, outside looking in going, how the hell is he? How the hell have these guys hired 60 people and how many of them are actually going to be there in two weeks' time, a couple of days' time, all these things, right? But where, where we like to start, which is probably a question that you guys have thought a lot about with particularly the amount of people you're hiring, is like, what do you believe are the sort of common characteristics and traits that you really think make up a, a highly successful recruitment consultant in, in today's market? I think it's a good question. I think when we interviewed or when we set out to interview, I think this was the one thing we had to unpack and really discover because you waste a lot of time if you hire the wrong people. So I think the cool thing about recruitment is it doesn't really matter what background, what education or anything you have. It, it's not based on that at all. So you look at half the office here, you have people with meteorology degrees, law degrees, philosophy degrees, all great recruiters, but look at their resumes. You're like, they yeah, don't yeah. match at all. They're, they're completely different people. So it does, as you say, come completely down to characteristics. And for me, it, it's quite commonplace. I watch com- some of your other podcasts as well. And I think everyone says roughly around yeah. the same thing because it, it makes sense. But I think number one I look for is okay. resilience. So I always need some form of example from someone of a time that they failed. And it can be small, it can be huge, but I think what's really important coming into this job is having some muscle memory of failure and then what came after that. So what lessons you learned, how you changed the way you did something, because you and I both know this job is all about failing every single day, learning from it, doing it again, not giving up. So I think proof of this and an example of this is something I look for in every grad interview that I do. If someone says I've never failed, one, I don't believe them, but two, they're going to have a pretty hard ride joining this, uh, this type of a career because you, you start knowing nothing and the only way you really progress is by doing it wrong, being told, hey, change this up and then just learning by doing. So I think resilience is key uh, because that's what you'll have to contend with in your first couple months and probably year in recruitment is making mistakes and having things go wrong. I think number two is emotional intelligence. So this job's all about speaking to people, connecting people. If you don't like speaking to people or uh, talking to different people, or understanding one person's very different from the next, so you've got to sell in a slightly different way or talk to them in a slightly different way, you're going to struggle with this job. And I think recruitment is slowly like morphing into more of an email writing <laughs> type thing rather than when I started where it was just like pound the phone, get get on the phone, just call switchboards. I think now in the techie age we're at, it's, it's harder to pound switchboards where most of your clients might not even have mm. a switchboard. So I think maybe it's less important just by selling with your words, but also now on, on email. But I think emotional intelligence, knowing your audience is also key. 
I think those are, those are the two main ones I think I actually look for um, outside of the, are you competitive? Like this is a sales job. One of, like this is not HR. This is not a form of other consulting. This is sales. You have to want to be number one, hate being number two, but also do you understand that working together is key to building a business. And for us, especially, we can't have a bunch of like salespeople who just want to be number one and not help the wider cause. We have to have people that buy into the vision that want to help each other and grow the company because they know if they do that, they'll be more successful for it. Um, so I think, yeah, resilience, emotional intelligence, competitiveness, but also just a, a buy into a wider vision and a want to be part of something special. Um, in our case anyway, where we know we're not going to be 60 people for a while, like I'm going to hire 20, 30 more people in a month. So these people will only be new for a, for a month or so. So I think those are the things I look for. But apart from that, it's a really cool career where to be honest, it doesn't matter what the resume or CV says, it's purely based on the personality interview when I, when I, when I speak to them. Like, I'm never going to know if someone's going to be a good recruiter through just looking at their background, um, which is why I love this yeah. sort of thing. I get to work with different people from different backgrounds who all bring different characteristics. But I think, yeah, resilience and emotional intelligence are, are, are the key things. That I love, love it. And then, because I know, obviously, Faden, obviously, typically known for hiring grads. So just curious, obviously, you, you're a graduate yourself. If you look at who Elliot was when you graduated and then the sort of huge amount of people that you saw that are graduates. I know obviously there's nuances here because it's in America. I don't know any differences that you see there or because like, I know like people were saying X like people who are this age are more like this or I don't know any, any sort of things that you've noticed or picked up on would you say? I, I, I think that so when I started I, I, I can't really remember the, the segue from the so I did a law degree and I was like I don't want to be a lawyer I um, worked in a law firm for a bit too slow too boring nothing like the degree itself so I I then was in that like random period where you don't really know what you want to do, but you kind of know what you want out of a career. And I just wanted to make yeah. loads of money. Like if I, if I look back at like my main motivations, it was, it was money. And I think that that still rings true now. I think the money motivated individuals who are commercially aware would tend to do well in recruitment and like it. But I think that it's still similar. When I look at these grads and look at myself, I see a lot of them in me. And I, I think that comparing actually different places that I've worked has been the most interesting. So Switzerland compared to America or Dallas is the polar opposite of like the grad population or people that really? you just hire. In Europe and Switzerland, you tend to get like people who are like two, three jobs in, people with master's degrees where you wouldn't really tend to look at that in the US. You tend to look at fresh grads um, and, and it's a different type of model. And I think in the US, people like tend to look at recruitment as an actual career. Rather yeah, yeah, than, like, totally. We've to picked up on that, job. yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's definitely true. Like the, the grads here are... Their family have been in sales. They want to be in sales. They know what recruitment is. Their friends do it, um, which lends to a different population and probably more people to choose from compared to a UK where the rep is pretty bad and a Switzerland where like they can get a banking job and earn a 100K base straight away. So why would they take the risk on a high commission, lower base job mm. like recruitment? So there's different, there's definitely different populations of grads to go for that I've seen kind of and gone full circle. But for me, the US has been the most successful place to really kind of drive the grad model and really scale fast just because one, there's loads more people, but two, the career is seen as probably more of a career than just a stop gap, just to make some money quickly and then go off and do something they really wanted to do, yeah. which is good. And I think that's why I'm still here because I see the ability to scale is just Massive, yeah, yeah. easier in my view when you go for the grad. Yeah. So just final thing, again, curious, like, because <laughs> you said resilience, right? Which is obviously really common words, like 
Would you say like there's there's different words that people use, right? Snowflake generation, these things. Would you say people more soft? I think it's different, right? Like I, I think the the way that recruitment is now is not the same as it was when I started in terms of like the skill sets and what's driven on desk and the environment. I think it's changed with the generation. I, I don't think it's better yeah, yeah, or nice. worse. I think it's just different. I think that probably if you go back twenty years and look at how salespeople did their job, it'd be different from my the when when I started than it's different to now. Yeah. So I think not not different in a bad way like just different and you have to also think that the clients are changing as well like clients are very different now than they were and candidates than they were when i started like you can't sell in the same way and i think covid accelerated the fact of like using video calls everyone now calls with a video so you have to be better at that than when i started no one even thought about doing a video call it's very Mm. very rare like it was all over phone or like face to face so i think you just got to be ready for that change and just understand that the world has changed as well and changed with it and not just keep driving the what worked 10 years ago now because yeah. it won't work. And I think that's the key thing that I've seen is just staying with the times. And if a grad says, hey, we should uh, we should get a TikTok and start doing some recruitment and like some TikToks. So I'm like, I don't really know what I'm, I'm, a, I'm <laughs> a generation that's like, that's not really me, but it works now. So you just got to go with yeah. it and make it work. But I just think it's different now. The whole, the whole world of recruitment is different. So it's not worse. It's just yeah, you can't be stuck in the past now. I think you just have to go. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I think difference is right. I think the way that I think about it, I'm, I'm 28. So I, I was in 1993, right? So I was like on the cusp of like, I grew up knocking for my friends, doing these things. And then I think I had got my first mobile in like year six at school. So like I sort of had a bit of both, if you get what I mean. And I've sort of been on the journey. But I feel like I've spoke to this about my friends, like we're talking about resilience and it being different. Like if I went through school now and I had to also deal with social media, like that is a whole different like world of resilience. Do you know what I mean? Even though I might be on my phone yeah. more or I'm I'm not spending as much time like calling people, da, 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 all these things. I just feel like, it, like you said, it is different. I think we can be very nostalgic around how it used to be and drive that and this is what it needs to be and people that aren't like that they're just softer these days and these things but i would probably argue that to get through school now and (laughs) have to deal with social media probably more resilient i would say in my opinion because that would have been fucking difficult going through that with all that to deal with as well no i agree they they come they're thick skinned like these people like these people although they might not smash the phones every day they they definitely have gone through some stuff that makes them good recruiters and and thick skin is just different right like you said i i i definitely agree having seen them come in and do well in recruitment in a slightly different way like you, you it works like you just have to yeah roll with the times and and it'll be different in 10 years again where there'll be different ways of recruiting you just got to got to be uh be ready for that change and embrace yeah i love it so look i want to i want to really dig into how the hell you you guys have have thought about and and executed sort of hiring such a a big group of people and the strategy behind it and what you're excited about so let's just sort of focus on fading for a second so i guess the first thing that i'm really curious about and i know other people listening to this would be like how how the hell did elliot adapt with moving to switzerland recruiting in switzerland like what was that like uh, very difficult. It wasn't like I came out of university being like recruitment's fine. It'll be easy. Like, yeah. I'll do well. Like I'm, I'm really good. I really didn't do that well in my first six months. I struggled one with the culture differences. So like Switzerland was a very different culture to Aberdeen. So I went to university in Scotland. So like I went from Scotland to Switzerland in a week and then was flung into a different culture where I had to recruit finance and accounting in Germany, Switzerland wow. region. So very, very different job, very different types of people, which took some time to kind of get to know how to speak to them, how to react, how to live in a different place. So I think, yeah, I'd be lying to say that it was easy, it was great, everything went well day one. I I wasn't that recruitment story. I was the one where 
plenty of times I probably thought this isn't for me. I'm going to move back to the UK and do something else where my friends are and, and kind of do a job where I thought that I was doing a bit better or was a bit easier or was a bit more nine to five. But I had loads of days like that. Any, any person who's been in recruitment for nine, 10, 11 years plus, and he says it's been oh, great yeah, the whole lying. time and they never thought about quitting is 100% lying. Uh, but I, my first six months, it was tough. But I look back at that time and that probably made me, or set me up for, for what, I, what was to come in terms of leadership and moving around the world and things like that. So I look back at it fondly, but it was tough. Like, I think there isn't really a secret sauce to make uh. it work. I think the one thing I didn't do was give up. Spoke to my family a lot about like, they gave me some like good motivational words like you're yeah, good yeah. enough, don't give up yet. Um, I think that was, that was definitely key. But really just me looking around the company and thinking I'm better than some of these people, it will come. I'm going to keep beating the people around me on the key KPIs, like doing the basics really well. Eventually it will come. And it did eventually. It just took me six to 12 months to really get it in a different country. Um, but once I got it, then it starts to get really good and you start to really push on. But it was tough. Like it, it was not easy, but 100% worth it. And anyone thinking about Shall I take that risk, move to a different country? I've never been there before. Yeah, Just yeah. do it. Like, it's 100% worth it. It's tough, but, like, if you really want to kind of climb up that ladder quickly, you've got to take those risks. And uh, I look back and it was... it was. Yeah, because that, that's before. extreme, man. Because, like, like you said, went from university in Aberdeen, and I'm assuming, like, you was leading some sort of, u like, uni life. Like, don't know how, like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Whatever that looked like, going out with your mates, getting drunk, watch some telly, not, not, and then just flung yourself straight into a different country and a different world of work. I guess what, what I'd be interested in, just to get a bit practical for a second, I'm sure you've picked up on this, but I'm speaking to multiple recruitment companies now that a lot of their business and the most profitable part of their businesses are serving companies outside of the UK. And a lot of them mm -hmm. are, in, are in Europe and, and a lot more people are going over to the US. So I guess particularly around, like, as you said, picking up on the nuances of like culture and these things for anyone listening to this, that actually really is excited with the opportunity of getting into a business and recruiting people in Germany, Berlin, maybe the US or getting over there for the people that might be really concerned of like, what the hell is it going to like, what am I going to have to get grips of really quickly around calling Elliot in Germany the I don't know, I might annoy him. I don't know, like picking up on like, I don't know, what what helps you speed up that process of understanding what flies in Switzerland, what doesn't, I don't know, any, anything in there that looking in hindsight could help people. This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry, the recruitment operating system. For those of you that haven't seen, where have you been if you haven't seen this news already? But I just wanted to, to jump on and just say a huge congratulations to Vincherry, who recently joined forces with the Access Group, partners with a heavyweight who share their vision of providing a single operating system for the front, middle, and back office for growing recruitment firms across the world. So what does that mean? Vincherry have the same people, the same vision, just way more firepower and resources to make Vincherry even better. So if you have not checked out Vinny already, please go and do so. Use the link in the show notes. You will not be disappointed. And of course, because you're going to be going through the podcast, you'll be looked after and you'll get your exclusive savings. Check it out. And again, huge congratulations to Vincherry. It comes back to like how you learn recruitment, making mistakes. Fair I enough. think you, you kind of pick up quite quickly, like when you say something and then you get shot down or when you send a type of email or you push too hard, you tend to like realize when you push the boundary, okay, I got to take it back a step. And I think 
in Europe, that was key for me. I think there it's much less of a London or like East Coast US salesy culture where you push, push, push. It's so relationship right. driven and you really have to like go for coffees with people, get to know them, like really delve deep into kind of the, the personal side of your clients and candidates more so than just saying, here's a great job. Here's a great candidate. Pay me the money. Let's go on. Let's move on. It's so relationship driven. It took me some time to understand that, but I think what working in Switzerland did for me at the start was teach me how to really work well with clients and get to know them a lot better and be way less transactional. Yeah. I think a lot of recruiters who come from bigger cities who have just done recruitment in those big cities where it is more transactional, they, they kind of send candidate, get off, uh, do deal, do it again, and they don't really get to know them, probably struggle then to flip to a more relationship-driven uh, culture. And I'd say the south of the U.S. is that. Like the south of the U.S. is very much a Switzerland in terms of a getting-to-know-you culture. Like they want to work with you rather than the company. And I think, yeah, you learn by like, pushing the boundaries and then kind of walking it back a bit. But I think it's so different in so many different places. But I think Switzerland compared to like a New York, you have to act completely different to, um, to clients and, and candidates to get what you want. So, yeah, I don't think there is like a one answer. This is what you do sort of thing. I think it's about like pushing the boundaries all the time. Like don't, don't shy away from trying to prove your worth, do deals. But like when you think that you push too far, yeah. maybe you need to back it up and do it in a different way in, in certain cultures and certain, certain countries, especially as an English person, like English person doing recruitment anywhere. Like they already think you're like a bit of a pushy <laughs> salesman because like, there's so many English recruiters everywhere. So you've got to prove that you're not the same as the rest and you understand the culture and the way of working alongside giving them good candidates yeah. and good service and things so like where, that. So when did the US opportunity come on your radar then? Because from what I can see, yeah, I went over there in, uh, towards the end of 2017. Like, wh when did that come on your radar? Yeah, so I, I've been in Switzerland for four years or so. I never really planned to be there for that long. It wasn't really my life goal to live in Zurich for the rest of, uh, rest of my time. So I kind of got to the point where I'd gone from graduate to head of the office. And the one thing I didn't see is the scale in Zurich. It's super expensive. No business is going to be 200 yeah, yeah. people in Zurich. It makes zero sense. So I quickly thought, okay, so if I want to keep growing and progressing, I'm going to have to go somewhere else in the business. And I don't want to go to an office that's already big and already has 100 people. I want to start something myself. And for me, the US was where we were making the most money, the biggest deals, the biggest opportunities. So I asked, okay, wh where, where are we opening next? Like, what's the next office we're going to open? And I would love to be a part of it. I'd love to go out there and do it. I don't really mind where it is. I'm super flexible. And it just so happened that we didn't have a presence, or Ben didn't have a presence at the time in Texas. So I said, yeah, that sounds good. I'll go there. I'd never been to Texas in my life. It's not like the holiday destination number one for anyone going to um, the US. So I took the job without having really? Dallas or Texas. Um, I thought that it was going to be, and to be honest, I thought it was going to be way more Texan than it is. Like I had like yeah, cowboy yeah. hats, I had like guns in my head. But then when I'm here, I'm like, you know what? This is just a normal, fast-growing city, multicultural, like easy place to live. If you want cowboys and guns, you can get yeah. it. But like that's not what the city is. So yeah, I'd never, never been here. Took the job, said, okay, cool, I'll do the Dallas office. Relocated myself to Dallas. Um, opened the office with, I think it was like six of us in a room with no windows in a Regis office, as, as you yeah, do yeah. in a lot of companies. Um, and that was the start of the story. So there wasn't a like reason for me really going to Dallas specifically or Texas. Yeah, you wanted again, the opportunity led yeah. thing where I wanted to grow something. And for me, it had to be somewhere new so I could prove to myself and others I can build it from scratch and not just be there as the grad who's yeah. grown into it. Um, and also somewhere I can scale. And the US for me was where. I saw the most scalability at the time. What do you think you showcased to, because I'm sure there would have been other, like I know you said there's a few other people, but I'm sure there would have been an, a number of people that 
would have wanted that opportunity. Like people listening to this probably want opportunities like what you're talking about. What what do you think you showcase to, to give the people, whoever it was, sort of enough trust to go, you know what, we're going to put Elliot down as, as one of the first on the ground? One thing is, and what lots of companies do well, what we're trying to do here, what Faden definitely preached was the organic growth piece. Like I was very young in quite a big role and I proved kind of that I could handle it. I didn't give up. Like Zurich didn't go particularly well all the time. It was a, it was a hard business to run. It was a very different culture. So I think showcasing that resilience again and showing that like, look, it didn't go well, but he kept on building it, learned from his mistakes. And then it ended up uh, a positive experience where we made money in Zurich and the office was successful. I think going through that transition of like, again, failure, learning, and then making it good was, was important. And I think, yeah, that, that's probably the major thing that I showed is, is the progression from graduate to, to direct, uh, making mistakes, learning, and then wanting to take a risk um, in my career to, to further it. I think that's what all these businesses have, have grown by people saying, hey, I'm putting my hand up, let me go over there and, and, and I've prove, I'll prove it to you that it's the right decision. And in most cases, the organic growth model does work. So I think I was just another example of that where I put my hand up after proving it sorry, and uh, took the risk and it already been proven with other people moving around that it does work if you back the person um, internally to, to go do something like that. So yeah, and it, it did work in the end. Like it does definitely, definitely work. But I think proving yourself, going through the tough times and uh, backing yourself was kind of the, the key thing. I think anyone can do it. There's, there's no, there's no special thing about me. I think I just I, I definitely just worked really hard, learned from my mistakes and took risks and never got comfortable. Because I'm just the type of person that if it's not difficult and if I'm not learning, then I want to go try something else or do something different and continually push myself. I, I, I'm not one for staying in the same position for five years if, if, because it's comfortable. Like, I, that's not me. So, yeah, just always looking for that next step or next opportunity. That, that's just So you I mentioned am. that like, you was quite young, you was in a big role. What's your experience being like with imposter syndrome, if at all? I don't think I, I, I don't think there is I, I don't think there has been an experience really? to be honest. I I would you not think I don't know, like looking around like fucking hell four years ago I was in Aberdeen like <laughs> doing this, now I'm here. You grow up really fast. I think in recruitment you're you're like when you're pushed in the right way in a company where like you are pushed every day to do what like my motto is like if someone says like, okay, I want to get 20 interviews, they get 20 interviews, the next person's like, Where's twenty five, where's thirty? Like if you're constantly pushed yeah. in that way and you see the results and you're a motivated person, like you tend to forget quite quickly, like how right. old you are and like what, how long you've been doing it. Like I feel kind of old in recruitment now, but I've not even like what I've got nine, 10 years in my career in general. That's, that's all I've got. And I feel like I'm kind of a little bit old now, but in reality, age is just a number. I think it, it was for me, it was just constantly trying to overtake people in the company and proving myself that got me to where I was. So I, I forgot how old I was. I just purely went on, merit and if i was doing better i knew i was going to get the role and just kept growing from that from that uh, standpoint so i think i've just always been the person who's like never really talks about age or i don't care about the people here either like if someone comes in and does better than you then they're going to get the opportunity first and i think yeah it never really stood out to me maybe when i look yeah, back yeah. at it later i'll be like that's, that's really crazy like i just relocated the other side of the world and, and it worked but at the time i was just kind of living in the moment and i just kept yeah. pushing myself and i didn't really think, oh, I've only got four years doing this. Like, what the hell am I doing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck this up. It never, never came to my mind. Like, I just backed myself every time and hoped that it would what, go well. Um, so what, what did Dallas look like for Faden then before he left? So obviously, like you said, you got there, it was like six uh, of you. What did it look like? Yeah, so I think it was probably between like 
30 and 35 people or so with a few of the brands present in the office, a decent structure of, of kind of a middle layer management and grabs coming in. So we got through kind of the, the first pump of getting it up and running in a new area where we didn't really have a ton of clients. Dallas and Texas in the South wasn't really a very kind of highly uh, touched market in the US for us because we didn't have loads of people at Baden, but we had enough to do a little bit in Texas, but really my remit was to grow it further, like make it bigger. It's a huge market. So it was tough at the start to get going. But I think once we understood the way of working, target clients and, and market and really drilled down, we did really well. Like we, we were the best office in the world one year, I think the year before I left in terms of uh, performance. So we got up there in terms of uh, a really, really successful office. But yeah, once I left, it was probably about six people. And then when I left mid 30s or so doing okay. So a couple of things and we'll move on to like the past couple of months. So firstly, what were... What were some of the, the sort of challenges that you maybe like, I know it seems like you just went straight into it, back to yourself, but what, what were some of the challenges on, on that journey that maybe you least expected? I think the way of working was different. I think coming yeah, back- Yeah, the nuances we of like was, how they do business. coming to yeah. terms with like, yeah, Texas versus- So is it more direct, a lot more uh, direct or? It's more direct. Like it's, it's, it's more direct. You can be a bit more salesy compared to Switzerland. So actually making that transition and understanding how to sell again to the right people and how to- talk in the right way and, and recruit in, in a slightly different manner was probably the hardest thing. But apart from that, it was all very similar. Like in terms of like the, how you do a deal, yeah, nothing yeah. changed. Like it was the same, same process. Recruitment's the same. It was more of the nuances of culture and then the nuances of hiring grads, because I was amazed as soon as I came to the U S how much better the grads really? were. Like no, no offense to the people I hired in previous businesses. But I think, like I said, recruitment was, front of mind, they wanted to sell, they were fine to get on the phone straight away, they understood things quickly, and there was just a lot more of them to go for, you weren't kind of, you, you weren't kind of struggling to find the masses to scale. So I think all those things were different. But uh, yeah, it was what I wanted, like the challenge at the time was to do something different. So I went from one side to the other, which I knew it was going to be different. because I wanted that. And it was just yeah, another learn by doing situation, make a few mistakes, don't make them again, keep on moving fast. And that was kind of my motto. So more of a personal question here. And then, then I'm keen to talk about the last couple of months. Like, I've spoken to a few people on this podcast and, and, and personally where, as I sort of highlighted earlier, that like more and more recruitment companies I speak to have America on their business plan. And I think for the ambitious and, and for people like you and like the journey that you've been on, that's going to be a really exciting opportunity. And, and I think a lot of people listening to this will, will have that opportunity um, potentially given to them. So the personal question is like, what what's your sort of advice for people? It seems like you just sort of jump straight in, but there definitely are challenges in terms of relocating your life there that maybe people don't anticipate. Like, I've got no fucking friends. I'm not in a relationship. I've gone over here. I literally feel like I'm alone. All I've got is work. I've, it's been hard to integrate into the culture. Anything on that that sort of helped? I don't know, because we've had people on here before who did go to America. It was exciting, and it just didn't quite work out more of the personal side, and it was more challenging than they anticipated. Anything on that that could be helpful for people? Yeah, I, I think so. I think actually the burden of this is on the leader of the office. So say there was to relocate to yeah, another yeah. office and there was already a leader there and a team there. A burden of this is on the leader of that office for sure. One thing I made very, very sure when I hired anyone really, but also the masses that we've just hired right now was keep it fun and keep things uh, going that are not work related. So making sure that, and it's not just drinking yeah, yeah. socials and stuff, but make sure that you you have a committee of people at the start. We have something called the culture committee here, which we started from day one. And they are really the drivers of what we do outside of just the right, right, numbers right. doing deals. And I think 
once you give that to the people and they decide what the culture is like, then I think for people moving into that business, they're, they're kind of part of something else. They get to go out and play sport with people or do yeah, things build those social connections. 100, 100%. If you don't build those social connections, you, you are going to struggle because you're going to have those dark days where you go home, you've just lost a yeah, deal or something. Like, and if yeah. there's no one to speak to, go to the gym with, go for a drink, like it will be really, really hard. So I think, making a point to both be good at your job, but also get out there and speak to people, both colleagues, but also like join Facebook groups, like all of that stuff, like sounds basic, but actually do it. Yeah. Like, commit commit to it. Yeah, yeah. Time to do it. Commit to it. Cause if you don't, then it can be a really, really lonely place. I don't think I did that as well as I could have in Switzerland. Looking really? back, I think I could have got myself out there and like stopped worrying just about work yeah, every yeah. day and actually looked at like my life outside of it. And I think, that's led me to now making sure that day one, all of these grads, some of which have never had a proper job before, feel that they're one at work, like professional environment, we work hard, but also they're not alone. Loads of these people have relocated here as well from other states. They know where the shops right, right. are. They know where they can go out. Like that's important stuff that people sometimes forget. So I think less of a burden on the person, more of a burden on the person who's getting this relocated consultant or whoever's, whoever's joining, but vital. Because if not, people leave. Like you'll have people who just could be the best recruitment consultant ever, yeah. but because you've not made the effort and they feel like they're not at home, they're like, I yeah, yeah, yeah. need to relocate back to my family. And, what, um, and that's probably more on the manager than the and What are we saying on the social scene? What, what we say, How would you describe the social scene in that like Dallas and the places you experienced for a UK person? Like, how would you describe it? It's great. Like, I think that like the social scene is very different in Dallas compared to other US cities. It's very spread out. Like there's not like one um, <laughs> like main street that you go out every time. Like there's very much pockets of like different types of uh, like there's like one place that's probably more edgy, right, more right, right. type place. One place is a bit more like so it's very spread out. Everyone drives yeah. here. So don't come to Dallas if you can't drive because you'll struggle because mm. there's no real public transport. It's all about your car. But I think the social scene is like any other, like it's an up and coming city where there is a ton of people moving here every day. So one, everything's quite yeah. new. The nice thing here is that it hasn't been here for 20, 30 years. There's, there's apartment buildings being built, restaurants, everything's coming here. So it's quite clean. It's quite new. But the social scene, some people might think it's not as fun as the bigger New York or the bigger, like it's as fun for sure. You just have to come here to experience it and not um, just assume that just because it's newer and, and in the South, it's different. I think everyone that comes here is like, I didn't know Dallas was like this before really? I came here, but now I want to live here. And that's, that's the standard thing everyone says. Before they're like, nah, not Dallas. I'll go to LA. I'll go somewhere else because they know it because they've seen pictures. But Dallas is still that kind of hidden gem of a place. And I think I got here before, obviously pre-COVID, before the yeah, bug yeah. happened, before people started to relocate. And it took me probably a year or so to be like, you know what? Why would I live anywhere else? There's no income tax. Yeah. Like, I can afford a nice place to live. Like, it's just an easier life but it takes a little time to get there and you definitely have to live it to believe it. Like I, I, I can say all this, but like take a trip to an Austin or Dallas or somewhere in Texas and you'll see a big difference in your, in, in your thoughts of where you want to live in the US if you're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah I love it. Let's talk about the past couple of months then. So I think let, let's just dig into obviously, yeah, outside looking in, I think, yeah, hiring huge amount of people at once. Talk to us and, and sort of break it down a bit, because I think this is what's really unique about you guys when preparing for this, how you're thinking about how we can get people up to speed. And I think just to frame this up, why this is really relevant right now, and I'm sure you picked up on this, but every single recruitment company right now is hiring. 
to, to keep up with their clients' demands. Mm-hmm. Now, most companies that I speak to are having sort of little or no success getting experienced recruiters through the door. Because let's be honest, like with how buoyant the market is right now, you, you should be making some good money. So why you're leaving has got to be pretty strong and, and these things. So most companies that we're speaking to that we're working with are really back to hiring that trainee grad level, these things, right? And for growing companies and, and particularly small growing companies, and I'm sure you might have experienced this in sort of pockets in your career, that can be really challenging. These people can take up loads of time. Some of them may not work out um, and it can be really difficult. Whereas obviously you guys have gone, well, look, instead of trying to get three, four here, another five here, another five there, you're going to get a whole a huge sort of nucleus and collective of people from day one. And we're going to get them up to speed. Like talk to us about the strategy here. Like, cause there's obviously a strategy. This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. Like always, I think the best way to hear about a product and how it's had a positive impact on a recruitment business is by listening to the customers who've invested in the product. But before you hear a really great soundbite from Ben Broughton, who is the founder of Premise, who we've actually had on the podcast, there's a good chance right now if you're a recruitment business owner that you're hiring. Your clients have loads of jobs. You need more people to help deliver on these jobs. So you're probably thinking, one, how can I hire more people? And two, how can I get more people up to speed doing more deals quickly? Well, in this short soundbite, you're going to hear how investing in the right tech, having the right tools can absolutely impact your speed to competency and get likely your trainees that you're going to hire up to speed more quickly. So have a listen to Ben. And as always, if you like what you hear, go and check out Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes. You will be stupid not to, and uh, you will get an exclusive deal and money off the product if you go through the Recruitment Mentors podcast. So go and check it out. Enjoy. Saucy B, Sourcebreaker, huge, huge fan. Oh, mate, love, love it. Absolutely love it. Adam and Steve down there, brilliant, brilliant product. I've been a massive champion and ambassador of it since it was a bloody spreadsheet, God knows how many years ago, to, to the incredible product that it is today. Sorty Bid is brilliant for, we were talking about that kind of growth and scale, bringing new consultants into your business, trainees, that product will help them be more effective quicker. We did, I did some crazy ROI stats in terms of bringing, bringing rookies to the business, getting them using Sourcebreaker, the Boolean tools, the MI chasing, all that kind of stuff, absolute no-brainer for your business. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and this was kind of the sell to me when I looked at companies to join before I, I, I chose this opportunity. This was the one thing that stood out to me because of my experience of yeah. hiring pockets of five, 10 people. And then like when you thought about it and like decided it wasn't that crazy, actually it works by just putting a few process things in place. So I think one, don't underestimate the power of like passive learning and people learning from each other by doing the job. I think that Half the stuff that is taught in this office isn't by me or the leaders. It's someone listening to someone else asking, oh, what happened there? That didn't sound so good. What did you do? And then either doing it themselves or not. So I think doing that times 60 rather than times 10 means there's just a ton more learning going on in the room when you hire the right people. I think it still comes back to hiring that right person and not just thumbs on seats. So I think that's one thing. And two, I think the structure that we put in play here with not an emphasis on a VP or a leader doing everything from business development, training, IT, like commercial stuff, everything you can think of. But we actually have hired a few different people per pod who take on three or four tasks every day. And that's all they do. They do. They run really, really fast in a small box, let's say. So you have a commercial person who is attached to a storm 
who just runs the client side of things. So make sure that we're working jobs with the right terms. We're working jobs in the right area. We're making use of clients that we can do two, three, four deals with. Because one thing grabs don't know is that part that well. They've not really dealt with clients before. So there needs to be some sort of check of as terms of like, okay, if you're going to spend your time on this, it's right. We've got terms. They're at the right level. And also, is there an opportunity yeah. for other businesses to leverage on your work? So we have that person in play. That person's an ex-recruiter. That yeah, person's someone who understands recruitment, but really likes the client side, doesn't really want the delivery, wants the client side. Um, you also have a people operations manager who is really a performance manager. So not an L&D trainer. They're not in classrooms every day. They're not doing that, but they are performance managing those grabs, making sure that one at the start, they know how to use the yeah, system. Yeah. They know like what their area is, what recruitment is, like the whole process. But then once they get going, they're really there to identify trends and analyze performance to make sure that we make the middle tier of people the best and we make the best even better and we help the ones who are not doing well in the right areas but they are there doing their job day to day in a team of 30 and that's all team they of do 30. they don't try and work jobs they don't try and get on clients yeah per brand so essentially the 60 we hired were split between storm 2 30 storm 3 30. Yeah, yeah. so you've essentially in my office right now you've got two brands a team of 30 grads each so within that brand you have a yeah. vp a people operations manager and Quite a commercial that. so when you split that down and you think, okay, 30 people, but you have three people who are managing that process, that's 10 people per, t- per person. Anyone can manage 10 people, but one person can't manage yeah, 30 yeah. grads at one go. So we put a structure in place to allow for faster growth. And we've hired people who are very motivated by that area, either an ex-recruiter who wants to train, an ex-recruiter who wants to do clients or an ex-recruiter who knows how to lead a team, knows how to close a candidate. And they just, like I said, run really fast in a small yeah, like and then you load the grabs in and then it works a lot faster than saying, because if I said, if I, I couldn't do this myself, I couldn't be the one person with 60 grabs. It, it would just, it wouldn't work. But once you put the right people in play and then hire the very best grads, you start to see the whole thing explode and move a lot faster. And that's really, it's not a secret sauce. It's just finding ways to fine tune what's been done in the past and make it move a whole lot faster. So you're not relying on one person to do everything. Yeah. So that's in a general terms kind of, how we manage to hire that many people and that they all actually get the support that they need because support is the key thing. Um, And I think that what what Levin Group did before I arrived and what we're doing now was fine tune that and make sure the model and the process was correct before we hire the grads. Like that has to be there and set in terms of you have those people in play before you put the grads underneath. But once those people are in play and they're motivated, compensated in the right way and ready to rock, then it's actually a lot easier than one would expect to see 60 people walk in the door on one day, which was an awesome experience. But I think I was saying like, it wasn't like stressful because I knew the process would work and I knew that the plan was in place in terms of people knew what they were doing, what they were responsible for. It was just difficult because there's a lot of work. Like you're flying around, you're walking around all the time, but it's fun at the same time, but it works. Like they're all still here and um, we're already seeing successes from the amount of people we've hired. So yeah, it's all down to that like prep work and, and process that you put in beforehand, knowing that everyone is very, very kind of aware of what their role is every day and they don't yeah, try yeah. and do someone else's role. Yeah, like, I think, they just do their role really yeah. well. And that's the, the thing that's unique about that is, is one, the setup, but I think as, as you all know, 
in recruitment and growing recruitment companies, it's very common that Elliot might be the commercial person in that setup, but Elliot also is expected to do the training, to do the, the things. So then all of a sudden, like you said, they're not running really fast in a small box. They're trying to run fast in, in a really big box, right? So I think that that's a unique thing, which, yep. which I really like. So a couple of things here that I'm just curious about. So very typical for a recruitment company, although it does seem like it's shifting now where people really have sort of, um, if you want to be like a recruiter in a delivery role, they have sort of career progression plans for that. And just that it's not just 360. Like how have you set up the, on the actual recruiters themselves? Are they going straight into candidates? Obviously I know you've got that commercial person that win in business. Like, are they just on the candidate side initially? What does that look like? So there are 360 okay. consultants. So everyone we hire is not delivery candidate focused. Everyone picks up the phone, emails clients, candidates from okay. day one. We're not going to hire any 180 consultants. The, the commercial person is there really to pick up on work that has already been done by the consultant and make sure it's at the right level and they're helping out to maintain the right client relationships and, and, and really kind of consultants get the bites. Commercial will convert those bites into jobs. VP will then help consultants to place that job, close candidates, and people ops person will train them to do all of those parts really well and use the system properly. So everyone who comes in is not sharing deals, is not like doing just candidate work or headhunting. They are in an area and specific niche, but they do everything. Like that, they're a complete 360 recruiter. They just have different people to go to for help in different ways to make the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, got it. What have been some of the common trends so far then on the performance side? out of interest that, that you might have been surprised by or interested by? So I think, what, three weeks in, I think one thing I've been surprised with is just how these people so far have picked up what how one thing connects to the next at volume and doing it really quickly because no, really, no one knew what recruitment was before this. No one does. And I think what I've been surprised is we've gone from 60 people having no idea to 60 people getting interviews. We've had a few retainers signed already with new clients that have been picked up by these graduates who didn't even know what they were doing three weeks ago. Like We've seen some really good successes already. And I think I was probably surprised, maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised how quickly the graduates picked it up and started to show value really quickly. And they're just really hungry. Like We have people in here who are super hungry to do well, see the massive um, opportunity they have because they joined a company that was zero people when they joined and will be like, I have plans to, I want to make this US business 1000 people by the time I leave this company. Right. So if these people are coming in day one, they know the opportunity that they can get to open an office, lead a big team and, and really progress if they work hard. So I've been just surprised with um, how quickly they've, they've really kind of popped on the train of recruitment and, and, and got going. And, uh, yeah, like so far, so far, so good. It, it's, I, I don't want to jinx it. Uh, I, I don't want to walk out and then see, see some people uh, make mistakes and do, and do stuff and walk out. But so far, touch wood, it's gone well and the process has worked exactly how it, how it should And then have. as part of the process here, because I know this is what people be interested in as well. Obviously, I know you guys are taking an entire different approach here and, and more of like a sort of hockey stick growth curve, right? But like, how have you guys thought about or like, what have you... Not necessarily budgeted for, but like, what are you expecting or what did you plan for the maturity curve to be in terms of like, if we get Elliot in tomorrow, we probably expect if things go well, that he should be paying for his desk within six months easily. And what was the mindset there? So I think one thing I think uh, people don't sometimes, or they, why, why would they? They don't assume, they assume we're not making any money. They assume yeah, yeah. That we're losing money because we're growing so quickly. So we're actually not, we're making money. We have EBITDA that we're reinvesting into the business and we are now profitable. So 
it does work, but yeah, obviously you don't make profit day one. If you hire 60 people who don't know what they're doing, like you're going to, you're going to lose some money before making it. But I think that the kind of first six months are key. And then after that six months, you have such a critical mass doing well in a good market with yeah. good leaders that you hockey stick a whole lot faster than if you do it in five, 10 uh, people um, intake. So yeah, one, definitely we're making money as a business globally, which uh, is, awesome and we're reinvesting it straight away to continue to grow which showing which shows what we're doing works because i think yeah sometimes if you hire 60 people you can lose money pretty quickly with the wrong model but we're cash positive and we are just now just repeating the model is it like this because that is quite common like is it you're like that's where we're going they they should if we've got the right person in six months they should be paying for themselves and then add more and then obviously continue to grow is that typically what you budgeted I think, yeah, if, I look, if I look at a time scale of like grad to successful, I think like the first six months are vital. I think the first two months or so are yeah, learning, yeah, yeah. like making mistakes, not really making much money. But I think that then you'll set up for success in kind of months three to nine yeah. to 12, where you start to be more consistent, understand the job, connect the dots. So I would say within the first six months, you see a massive skill increase from not knowing what they're doing to yeah. trying to do deals. but. In the first, I reckon it's going to be even faster judging on what I've seen so far in terms of opportunity to make money in the right areas, work jobs quickly, yeah. sign retainers really quickly as well. So I reckon if I'm going to say, and my, my team is probably going to watch it, I reckon that three months is where like I want them to start being consistent. Um, I want to see a deal and I want to start to see those dots connected. Yeah. And then if you can get to that period, then, the, yeah, then yeah. from there, you, well, you, you will make money. The deal sizes, our average fee is probably around, Thirty-five, thirty-eight thousand yeah. dollars. So, like, once you start doing those consistently, you will yeah, make yeah. money. What's sure. the performance output ex expectation in the first year? It, so, in terms of like first yeah, year, yeah, yeah, like how, yeah, what, 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 no, no, what, yeah, what, what, what like? are you hoping? Like, what have you expected of people? So, I think, I think an easier way to say, I think in the first uh, three months, you're learning. You're not going to make any money. I think from month three to twelve, what I would be gunning for is one deal a month. I'd be consistently trying to do one term deal a month in that yeah. area. Some people will end up doing a lot more. Some people will struggle for a bit more, but then pick it up. But I think consistency is key. And I think after that training period is off and the, and the kind of wheels are off, I think one deal a month is what I would look for. So yeah, one deal a month averaging around 30, 35K would be what I would expect for kind of the first year over kind of the nine months yeah, or yeah. so that I yeah, would so, yeah. uh, so, expect the training well, to okay, come fair. on. Because mate, I know, I know it's a different, right? But obviously, because I'm in the learning and development conversation every single day. Like I've sat down with multiple companies where first year expectation is, is 75 grand. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, that's why, cause again, this is what people are interested in, right? Outside looking in, it's like, well, what are their targets? Like what, like all these types of things, what are they expect? Do you get what I mean? Cause like, if I ask you that and you're like, yeah, well, we expect that. Like, yeah. It's just shift. interesting. Yeah, I, I think like it, it depends. Like it's all a belief system thing. In yeah, my view. Like whatever. Like what, I, I think if you say seventy five is good, then seventy five is good. Like they don't really know yeah, what, yeah. What, what good looks like, so they'll take whatever you say as that. If you say five hundred is good, then some people will probably hit five hundred. Some people won't come anywhere near. But at least you kind of keep raising that bar in the right yeah. place because we're here to grow quickly, do really well. I want people to make a lot of money, so I want to set punchy goals because I've seen one, it works. I've come through that environment yeah. where there was always someone better than me and always somewhere I could, I could, uh, I could improve. But I think, yeah, I think that's low. If I was to, if I was to, if someone was to say it to me, I'd be, I'd push back for sure and be like, uh, look at the people that have been in the business already in London that started who have done four or 500 K in their first yeah. year with the same amount of tools and experience you have. 
that's the, that's the goal. That's where you need to get to. I think once you start having the belief system shift because some more people have done it and then they come in seeing the numbers already been done, then you just have to hire the right people who take yeah, that yeah. and just, just want to drive it. Um, so it, it would shift from company to company because certainly five and one company might be really good for what they want. But for us, we want the, we, we want people hitting the five, six, seven hundred K as quickly as possible, as, yeah, as, yeah. as possible in a year. And to get there, we can't start at 75. Yeah, we yeah. have to push hard. And I think the people we hire are those who want to want to be the best recruiter in their, in, in their, in their area, not, not, not average. And I'm one who will always push someone to their absolute limit to get, to get to yeah, where yeah. they need to get to. Cause I, yeah, I want to see future leaders and people change their lives. Sure. Look, I love it. Look, you, you, you guys are challenging the status quo, right? We, we, this is what this is all about. So I guess as we come to an end here, how are we thinking about culture in, in this, uh, in this cocktail of, of scale and, and growth, right? Cause yeah, how are you, I know you said you've got the culture committee, which I absolutely love that. So people I'm assuming completely dedicated to think, like you said, what are we doing outside of work? What, what are people telling us that they need more help with? What would be great? These things. Cause that can also be something that people think a lot about or worry about, right? How can we make sure that we don't become a business or to be known as like, we hire these young people and then we spit out 50% of them. And, and that's a big part of why recruitment doesn't get a good yeah. name. Right. So like, how are we thinking about culture yeah. as, as we grow this company? I, I think like, if I look at my role and what I want to, I think there's two things that I have to do really, really well to succeed. One of which we've discussed, hire the very best people who fit the mold of a good recruiter. Yeah. Number two is make sure the culture is set in a way where people are worked hard. They, they do well. They hit targets that need to be hit. They come to work to make lots of money, compete, grow their career but also have fun with it. I'm a big component of like coming to work, laugh, have fun, be open. And so I think the culture of like competitive but collaborative are the two words. Yeah, nice. If anyone asks me in an interview, like what should the culture be? Both those things, not one or the other, because if you have competitive only, then you have a bunch of individuals wanting yeah, to yeah. each other. No one really does well, you can't scale. But if you have collaborative only, you have a bunch of people who don't really care about doing well and everyone's happy, but like no one's making any money. So I think... Both of them are important. And I think that my job is to make sure that as we grow, that doesn't dilute. And that's the one challenge that I think I face over the next coming years is making sure that when this office is 200 people soon, it's still the same as it was day one. Like the culture is still there in those collaborative and yeah, yeah. terms, because if it is, I know that I will succeed. So making it fun is number one. Like the job is hard. Like this job is difficult. Like there's so much rejection. It's, it's not, it's the hardest sales job you do. You're selling you're selling people, people do all sorts of things you don't know about. And so you've got to make it fun. You've got to make sure that it's an open culture where people are not scared to ask questions, not scared to ask their colleague, hey, can you do this? But also their colleague will always help them out and say, hey, yeah, we're in this together. For me, going on my years before this, that is what I picked from like the different businesses that I'd run or been in that I enjoyed most and what I wanted to put into play here. Because yeah, if the culture sucks, then like, it doesn't matter how good you are at hiring or how much money there is in the market or how, how many clients are hiring, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do well. Like, there's, there's enough choices for people to have in terms of other companies. So culture is number one in terms of like what I've tried to instill over the, over the past three or so weeks with these people. And is, is extremely, extremely, I'm extremely passionate about that side of it because I've seen it yeah, gone yeah. wrong in different companies and like, I don't wanna be that person. I wanna make sure that people love to work here. One, because they make loads of money and it's successful, but two, they actually just like yeah, coming yeah, to yeah. work. 
And I'm still a big proponent of in-office working as well, like giving flexibility, but I think learning recruitment. And Mate, I think you, you guys have to do, you, you guys have so to important. lean and lean in and own we're at, we're in, we're an office first company or like we've invested a lot in our office experience, which is why you'd probably rather work here than at home, like the way that you're doing it. <laughs> like imagine having seen, yeah, imagine having like job. 70 people join the zoom, join the storm zoom call for day one. That'd be fucking chaos. So we've all been there actually on the, on the third day. So um, it's funny you said that. So the third day of uh, operations here. So there was a huge storm in Dallas. And like I said, at the start to you, like when the storm, <laughs> people forget how to drive to work and stuff. So we had to go full wow. remote for day three and four with 60 grads who had been literally had just like picked up a laptop and didn't really know what they were doing. So we had to, we had to make that work for the first week. And it does work. Like you can do it like again with the right people doing the right things, but is it the best way to start a business to get the results quickly? I still don't believe it is, but I think I am a believer that once you get over the first hump of understanding what recruitment is, understanding yeah, yeah. the role, then flexibility is key. Like work from home a day to a week, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, when you want to learn recruitment quickly and we want to teach you at scale and make sure that it, it doesn't fall apart, then yeah, like you have, for me, the in-office experience is key. I also think lots of grads now are like, I actually want that, yeah, yeah, totally. And like, let me see so people. Because like they've done their degree yeah, yeah, yeah. remote, which is so. Fun. Let's um let's wrap this up then. Like where look, I just, look, absolutely love your energy, mate. Like just can tell how passionate you are. But for, kudos to you on like just grabbing the opportunity you've had with both hands and, and making the most out of everything. But like where's um where's this business going to be in another eighteen months then, mate? So I think my vision for the the US business will be I reckon two hundred people in Dallas, all four brands a New York office that will launch uh, that will launch in the next three months, a West Coast office and a Southeast office as well, launched with 50 plus people. So what's that? I'd say 300 plus at least in the US in 18 months, probably more across four offices would be a good start to the US business and a good goal. So we're not, this is just the start. Like I say to these people, you're going to be new in this business for two months and then people are going to start asking you questions about what you're doing and look to you for advice. So learn fast, have fun with it and enjoy. Like it's all about enjoy. Like not, not many companies get to do something like this. Not many grads get the opportunity to be part of something like this. So even for me, like, like you said, I'm, I'm pretty excitable. Like I, I, um, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It's a challenge. But I know and I back the process. So the stress levels are relatively low, but the challenge is yeah. high. And that for me makes a good yeah, job. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you're not in that yeah, job, yeah, you're yeah. not learning and not pushing yourself. So I think that's my vision. And for people coming into the business, like what an opportunity. Like you could be a grad one day and, and two years later, you could be a VP leading a team in a different state. And, and that's what we want. Like we, we don't hire senior people outside of that really trio of management. Everyone else is going to yeah, grow yeah. organically and and. And really, their, their own destiny is in their own hands because we need to yeah. push them and get them there. So I'm super excited. It'd be cool to speak to Yeah, yeah I was going to say, we'll, cool. we'll definitely get you back on and unpick the uh, the challenges. My hairline will recede <laughs> even more, for sure. I'll be greyer with less and yeah, less hair. But uh, hopefully, yeah, I back it for sure. And it's, it's a fun ride. And it would be cool to to do it again and, and see what the next 12, 18 months looks like. But that's, that's for me, my, my, my vision and what I'm trying to execute and really what I'm living for over the next Love it, Elliot. It's been an absolute pleasure. Excited to see it from afar and no, we'll absolutely speak over it over the next year or so. Legend. Sounds good. So I appreciate it.
Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.